morning. Hey, Sam. How's it going? Good, and you? Yeah, good. It's it's a sad morning. It is a sad morning. We should probably mm. uh, we should probably say why it's a sad morning because because um, not everybody listening to this podcast listens to it the day we put it out. Mm. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's the sixth of December, and in our country of South Africa, people are waking up to the news that uh, Nelson Mandela passed away yesterday, uh, last night. If I if I'm getting the news correctly, yeah, but actually, I think it was at about nine o'clock, right? Yeah, as I, I've heard, yeah. I, I was wrapping up some. Um, I was hard at work on some video games last night, and on my way to bed, uh, the news kind of started about commotion outside of his house and and something going mm. on, but uh, but it wasn't confirmed until uh, the early hours of this morning. Mm. So, so yeah, yeah, sad day, Sam. Sad day. It is. It is. I think one we've all been preparing for for a very long time. It's amazing how personal the grief feels for every single person in the country. Like it feels like a relative, you know. Yeah, um, it's amazing. It is interesting that. Um, and I mean, really, that's the best legacy any of us can ask for, right? Um, mm. And I, you know, I've just been watching Al Jazeera English, which is my favorite news channel. Uh, also, I don't have TV in my house really, so Al Jazeera English. Uh, because it streams live with no strings attached is one of the only <laughs> news services I can watch. Really? Uh, so it's a That's good thing a good that it's thing also one know. of the best around. Um, yeah. And I, I was just watching it on my iPad and, um, you know, we saw David Cameron, Prime Minister of, of Britain, uh, making a statement. Uh, Barack Obama, people gathering mm. on Times Square in New York, uh, the Prime Minister of Australia. Um, it was just amazing that this human being managed to have that global impact. Now, mm. of course, as he always said, it was painful for him that he was celebrated, um, you know, as 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 the face of a struggle that really was pulled off by by countless, you know, mm. multitudes of people. Um, but still, to to have, you know, whatever it is that you are remembered like that uh, is is mm. profound. No, it is a great thing. I mean, it's it's made me feel quite reflective about, uh, I don't know, like the struggles that we have and don't have still. Um, you know, like the time he was living, there was there was this battle and this war that he fought in um, and that we remember and that's many people that, you know, I still know remember that and went through that, but I didn't. Um mm. And it kind of makes you feel really complacent. It makes me feel like I want to put on a red beret and go and join F, you know? <laughs> just like, let me fight something, even if it's an economic war. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think you should join F. Um, <laughs> that's just my two cents worth. I uh, uh, don't think that's going anywhere. But I, I know what you're talking about. And, and really, it doesn't matter what it is that, you know, your fight is. I think the amazing mm. thing about Nelson Mandela was – his unwavering ability to just do what was right to him all the yeah. time. Um, you know, he, he spent 27 years in prison, as everybody knows. Um, but at one point, the, the, the National Party government in South Africa offered him freedom. They said, listen, mm. if you get off your political pedestal and you just live quietly and stop being a renegade, you can mm. go home. You can go home to your daughter. You can go home to your wife. You mm. can have a normal life. We'll let you out of prison. All you have to do is shut up. And um, yeah. and he didn't. He he chose to stay in prison, to mm. spend more years away from his young daughter, away from his wife, away from his life, because he knew that it was the right thing to do. Um, and I, you know, I think about that in terms of my life and 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 the decisions that we make in business, 
and the easy options that are always there mm. to make a quick buck, to uh, to get ahead, to um, to do the yeah. things that you want right now at the cost of the things that you know are right. And mm. so my my personal inspiration from Nelson Mandela, you know, whether or not it's fair to to take it to that extent is is that you have to remember why you're doing what you're doing and yeah. stick to that if it's important. Mm. Hannah, Hannah Arendt, I think her name was, uh, she was a, this incredible philosopher who wrote a lot about um, World War II and the Holocaust. And she, she's the one who coined the phrase, the banality of evil, um, mm. talking about how, you know, most people in Nazi Germany, most, most Germans, um, they weren't, they weren't malicious. They weren't, they, you know, most ordinary people were just getting on with their life and were not themselves plotting the destruction of all Jews. Um, but it's kind of, they, they, the system created these rules. And if you played mm. by the rules of the system, then you were, you were part of something that was this machine of, of horror and, and, and evil. Um, but mm. you yourself might, might not have had those intentions, but just by, by not fighting, you know, and it's yeah. like what, what Tutu said, you know, Tutu says, if, if you choose to do nothing, you are automatically choosing the side of the oppressor, um, which I think is really powerful as well. And I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? Like he could have just gotten on with his life. He could have, he could have just been an ordinary man and, and sacrificed a lot to not be. Mm, yeah. And uh, it's amazing that he didn't. I, I don't know that I would have that kind of resolve. Mm, but very few but now... But he did, and he said amazing things. Um, you know, I won't paraphrase because I'll get it horribly wrong. Um, mm. But, but you know, thing <laughs> he said just before paraphrasing. Um, <laughs> but you know, he had so many amazing quotes about um, about how there's no passion to be found in, in playing it small. Um, mm. That that there's something you're capable of being, and there are things that you're capable of doing, and mm. that if you're settling for anything less than that, man, that's that's got to be the worst thing that can happen to you. Mm. Um, and that's my personal inspiration from Nelson. You know, people look to him for so many things. I think that's probably the thing that 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 I found most inspiring about him is that he just wouldn't settle. That and his ability to um, to play the political game on a personal level. And mm. to turn his enemies into partners, that was something that inspires awe in me. Yeah, um, just amazing. And it just comes from the fact that he was always just so kind and decent. I think that's the thing, you know, like there's all the big stuff he did and the political stuff and the beliefs and the even, the, you know, the sort of pioneering of Conto Wessiswe and making that really tough decision to turn to armed struggle and, mm. you know, those big, big, big decisions. But the most inspiring thing is how at the end of the day, he's still like forgave everyone and was still just a decent kind human in every single engagement mm. that he had with anyone from you know by all accounts the the mm. woman who would like clean his room when he was traveling to yeah. you know it didn't matter to him he was just a decent mm. person de decent human yeah there's there's yeah. so much to learn from there and if it's even fair to bring it back to the theme of the show mm. um you know, the the one quote I usually do get right from Nelson Mandela was he said, <laughs> uh, you must work with your enemies because then they become your partners. And, mm. you know, I, I've, I was just thinking about that in terms of business. And the one or two times I have managed to, to, to suck it up, swallow my pride, 
walk over to somebody who has kind of been jippoing me and who clearly doesn't rate me too highly and yeah. force them to work with me. The power in that. I mean, that mm. really for me is what swung the struggle in South Africa was his ability to work with people who were fundamentally his enemies mm. and get them to do the things that they needed to do to change things. And I mean, ultimately, those are always going to be the most powerful partnerships, right? Because if you're just forming uh, alliances, you know, whether whether in, in the sort of trivial world of business or the really important world of politics or whatever, you know, if you're only forming alliances with people who think like you already, um, it's very difficult to change anything like that. And I think, you know, whatever the context is, the people that they are the strongest partnerships precisely because you're bringing together different points of view um, mm. You know, and and that that can be really powerful. I mean, yeah. I mean, we we sort of you know bring this back to trivial things. Like we have this <laughs> this policy, <laughs> this policy at Quirk called uh, no bullshit feedback, which I think is is great. And there, there's the idea is that you should be able to at any point throw up your hands and say, I need to have an NBF with you. You know, grab someone into a room, and you should be able to say the most straightforwardly often hurtful things in the context of that room without it being personal and then walk out of it and just get on with things. And whenever I've, I've been in an NBF situation with anyone, those are people who ultimately have become my closest friends and, and allies in the workplace, you know, cause you kind Sam. of, you, you really start to understand each other when you, you go through <laughs> the struggle. I don't know. <sighs> Sam, we need to talk about that spreadsheet. Oh, my God. I need to have an NBF with you, here. I need to have an NBF with you, Sam. To be a fly on the wall in Sam's NBFs. Uh, Um, It's not that scary. You said something Mm -hmm. very wise, though, Sam, and that is that your biggest enemies become your biggest uh, allies when you manage to swing them. I've seen it it before. Mm. You know, I, I was looking yesterday. I'm starting to try to get my head around sentiment rating and whether or not it's something, A, you can do, and B, you should do, even if you can. Um, but anyway, anyway, philosophy aside, it's it's interesting looking at, at the systems out there to try and rate sentiment around uh, messages and brands and whatever. Mm. Um, but you know, the one thing that that comes through for me all the time is that the worst state you can you can uncover in anything is apathy. Like, you know, yeah. if you, I hope to polarize. I hope people hate the things I do just as mm. much as I hope people love them because. At least you're inspiring some form of emotion then. I can't yeah. imagine anything worse than doing something <laughs> and having people go, mm, I suppose it's all right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Let's have an NBF, goddammit. Yeah, about exactly. The, 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 the thing that I did at the time with the guy. Yeah, totally, um, totally. No, if you're, if you're never offending anyone, then you're definitely not doing anything brave enough to make an impact in the world. I agree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we need to have an NBF about that, Sam. <laughs> Do you know what, Simon? Let's just have an NBF. I actually hate your face, actually, you know. What? Didn't know how to tell you. <laughs> but I can't change my face. <laughs> it's about oh, ego, joking. Sam. I think that's I think that's kind of the kernel of what we're talking about, right? It's about it's about yeah. your ego. It's about your precious character armor and your ability mm-hmm. to take it off at times and go, okay, this douchebag uh just did the um just slapped me in the face basically uh mm. but i'm gonna i'm gonna go all right and i'm gonna take that and i'm gonna do what's right because yeah. it's interesting um <laughs> back to jared diamond man that guy's gotten coverage on these conversations on the internet <laughs> i expect my check in the mail any day <laughs> i finally <laughs> i finally feel like i'm done 
with the world until yesterday. Not because I've actually completed <laughs> reading every word in the book, but because I'm finally ready to give up the struggle and just go, okay, Jared Diamond, you win. <laughs> yeah. You're but, much smarter than I am, Jared. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but he talks about the role of religion in, in traditional societies. And it's fascinating because there's a good mm. solid evolutionary explanation for why we have religion, the purposes that it's served and whether or not it still serves those purposes and we need it, etc. Um, yeah. But, you know, he talks about some of the, the, the moral fundamentals that religion kind of, in also telling you to kill your enemy and all of their children, um, mm-hmm. it also manages to feed something that looks like, <laughs> like moral usefulness into the discussion around in turning between, the other cheek. Yeah, in between, here are strict instructions about how to sell your daughters into slavery. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) How to slaughter and lay asunder, um, Mm. which is which is kind of what the Old Testament is a a manual for. But in between all of that malarkey (laughs) is um, is this idea that that you should turn the other cheek. So so what scientists have done, data scientists, is is they created a model simulation, and it's fairly famous. You know, the people who listen to our conversations on the internet, I'm learning, are super smart, so they know this. But let's repeat it anyway. The simulation that was set up on a computer. Uh, And basically, they created these little units, these little dots, call them what you want. uh, And they interact with each other. um, And their their job is to pass on their genes, which we now know is the purpose of life on Earth. Yay. Wow. So inspiring. (laughs) But anyway, um, and these little dots interact with each other. And what they do is they they try different scenarios. So the one scenario is that when the one dot acts like a dishbag, the other <laughs> dot immediately smites it. Um, yeah. And then they did a different scenario where uh, the dot always turns the other cheek. So no matter yeah. what happens to the dot, he just forgives and works with and moves on. Um, <laughs> and then the third scenario, which was the most successful, is the first time it happens, the dot turns the cheek. And after that becomes one madly aggressive little dot about about the bad things happening to it. So they yeah. found that, you know, the best first reaction uh, mm. in a strategy for survival is <laughs> is to be able to lay off the character armor, to, to get past the initial reaction of, of wanting to retaliate, to swallow mm. your pride and go, all right, okay. But, uh, <laughs> but, but at some point you need to let go of that because – the you know things just aren't working and now it's time to smite at some point you've got to dig dots. your heels in smite the dots rah yeah Ooh, I mean, did I you think... see sorry carry on no go 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 tell me you tell no, I wanted to talk. Do, have we have we uh, <laughs> chatted about that quake survey experiment that was done quakes no it's, i don't know anything about this tell me things it's uh so it's a little bit pseudo um but only because there isn't much much evidence for it beyond what this one reporter and some of his friends yeah. uh, said. But but basically what happened was some years ago, I can't remember how long, let's say four, um, this dude set up a Quake 3 server in his dorm room or wherever it was um, and does. populated it with some bots that were fighting with each other. Um, uh-huh. So no human players, just these bots fighting 24 hours a day for four years um, and <laughs> developing their strategy. So, you know, Quake Quake is a first-person shooter where you run around yeah. blowing each other up. Um, but the bots, the, the artificial intelligence players uh, learn. So they, they develop a strategy for winning. And, you know, your mm. job is basically um, to get as many other 
bots killed as possible. So he left this for four years as an experiment and then came back to the server to see what these mm-hmm. bots had learned in terms of strategy in four years. And all of the bots were standing oh, still. There were, there were 16 bots on the server. And after yeah. killing each other really proficiently for four years, what they had <laughs> learned to do uh, was just stand Stop still in the corner. Fighting. Oh my and goodness, that's amazing. The bots had basically <laughs> evolved world peace. So what he did was he thought, okay, well, that's interesting. Let's see what happens if I enter the game now with a rocket launcher and shoot it into one of these bots' faces. Let me invent the moment he power. landed, The moment he landed in the server and picked up a rocket launcher, all 16 bots together as a team attacked him, killed him, and went back to their corners and stood still. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That is the most incredible thing. I need to read all about this. That's hilarious. Yeah, so it made it made the news with you know sensational titles like uh, artificial intelligence bots develop world peace. It's like not quite, <laughs> good, so, you know, but uh, you know on an old four eight six server or whatever it was. Um, yeah, that's really really interesting. I mean, obviously the question becomes sort of you know how how at, uh, complex were the the was the artificial intelligence, you know, and how well does it mirror the complexity of, of, of the real mm. world and things like that. And, you know, there are no small children to kill and abuse in the game. And there's, you know, there's, there's a whole yeah. bunch of things missing that so I are just found, very, very real in the world. I just found an article about it in the Huffington Post. Uh, and they say each bot, mm-hmm. by the time he got back to them after four years, um, had grown to half a gig in size. So wow. eight gigabytes of learned tactics and information just from that Jeez. one map. So that's a that's a lot of information for like yeah. um, uh, one quake map, which isn't terribly large compared to the real world. Yeah. Um, so I'm mm-hmm. surprised though because you, you've got a classic game game theory problem. You know, like at what point are you the first bot who decides to stop shooting all the other bots? You know. That's yeah. oh, interesting. Was he, was, he, was he checking in throughout, throughout the four no. years that he let the bots play? He just left Well, them. you know, again, it's like, according to the thread on 4chan, well, yeah, we go. <laughs> um, so I, I got the story a little wrong because the, the imperative that he gave the bots was that they had to ensure their survival. Uh, uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't this, what he told them to do was not get as many kills as possible, but make sure you survive. Yeah. Um, uh, and 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 so they found the only way they could do that was co- to completely abandon violence. Each of them mm. standing in the corner. Now that sounds to me like they probably figured that out after two seconds. But who knows? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. It is very interesting. Hmm. I've been reading um, a book by Charles von Onslen, uh, which is it's it's okay. He has this ridiculous ridiculous theory that he's found figured out who jack the ripper was and he's probably wrong but apart from that it's this fascinating history of this um psychopath who lived in the 1890s he lived in joburg uh for a for a period so uh, part of the book is talks about mining town joburg and the seedy underworld of brothels and and gangs and things it's fascinating um but you know one of the things he, he talks about was was sort of turn of the century london yeah. And um, how it was the first time that so many people had really lived in one place that it was you could have serial killers because people yeah. didn't know each other anymore. Um, so it was the first time people were living so closely on top of each other without community, without any of the hmm. any of the normal systems that would mean something like the normal altruistic uh, sort of thing that we all evolve functions. Um, so the first time it, it sort of failed. And I think altruism and, and those, those basic methods of survival do fail in very large cities, um, yeah. which is why you can have crazy, crazy murderers, you know, um, 
that that never get caught or mm. you know so what's the mm. name of the book uh it's called the fox and the flies it's oh it's really really good it's this guy uh, i can't remember what his name was uh something silver um it's, it's basically a biography of his life so a single you know psychopath who used to kidnap women and then torture them and then kind of mm. sell their bodies in brothels very very dark and twisted but fascinating and just you know what was the underworld like at the turn <laughs> of the century anyway <laughs> wait well, we'll up put a link morning. yeah we'll put a link to it in uh, the notes for this conversation uh, and if somebody was looking for those they could of course go to uh, seed.tv uh, a seed like that thing you stick in the ground to get a pumpkin um, dot TV like <laughs> Where the did thing you I used last to watch grow? before I had an iPad <laughs> like when did you last grow a pumpkin Simon <laughs> mm. have you ever grown a pumpkin from a seed uh, no but I do know where pumpkins come from Sam <laughs> oh good good congratulations mm. have that, that part down uh, talking about about TVs, sorry, just just total little side sidetrack thing. One of the most splendid things I discovered in the last couple of weeks is this wonderful video of Bjork. You know, so imagine really strange Bjork explaining how a television set works. So she takes one apart and she starts going on in this like whimsical voice, all about the circuits. The circuits are like a tiny city, but it's like it's so splendid. It's so great. I, I want oh her to God. do a whole series that's like Bill Nye the Science Guy, but it's it's like Bjork explains everyday objects. <laughs> so, the circuits uh, contain uniform poop that, um, <laughs> and it's very <laughs> wonderful. They are yeah, strung no, together with magic spaghetti. <laughs> and when you ask a question, all the unicorns <laughs> who pooped in the circuits get together in a circle and they come up with the answer. It's pretty much like that. It's pretty I'm much sure exactly it is. Like uh, so Bjork, that great thinker of our time. I, I love Bjork. <laughs> Not going to do so. And here are all the wires. These wires. They really take care, take care of all the electrons when they come through here. No, she's the bestest. Um, yeah, so this thing is hilarious. It's like, yeah. Anyway, mm -hmm. sorry, total side. We will put in a link to that as well. Yeah. Bjork explains how a television set works. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, the pictures classic. are not really there. They're in your mind. <laughs> hmm. uh, I need a new book. Yeah. That's what I need. I'm going to buy a new book. Ooh. ooh. Maybe I, sh I, I don't know if I'm ready for the serial killer thing. Like, you know, Jared Diamond, just basically. <laughs> he's been through here and, uh, <laughs> uh, and I need I some know. recovery time. <laughs> I just mm. I just keep depressing myself more and more. I mean, before the serial killer book, I was reading an account of the Rwandan genocide. There's exciting bedtime reading. Jeez, mm. that cheers you up. Um, yeah. <laughs> so something uplifting and inspiring, maybe. Yeah, but, you know, those are usually the worst kind of books to read. Um, the self-improving mm. kind. Um, you know, the five hobbies of super handsome humans. Um <laughs> Or whatever. If you and too take up competitive knitting, you too will be as amazing as this <laughs> other person who just so happened to be a competitive knitter. Yeah, where so I find the books that make me happiest are usually about science. Mm. Um, so, what science books are you looking looking at? I don't know. I'm actually on on Audible right now, and uh, I'm not feeling it. Um, you know, I could just go and read Cosmos again, <laughs> but uh, yeah. That's you know, never it, time wasted. I feel like science has come a long way since Carl Sagan wrote books like that. But I don't feel like we're doing as good a job of reporting on it. We just don't have 
you know, who's the Carl Sagan of our time? Dawkins writes really eloquently and passionately about biology. That mm. I don't feel like there's anybody mm. out there. He's you know, they're the public figures I mean, like Neil, Neil deGrasse, deGrasse Tyson. Tyson, but not really. Mm. Yeah, no, he's like, he's but, not really Carl Sagan. No, he, well, he's amazing, and he does he does awesome things, and mm. I would like to be his friend. But he, you know, I I, I, sh- I suppose I should actually read one of his books before saying that they're not quite on that level. <laughs> Um, yeah. But he's only written like one or two, hasn't he? Anyway, I think so. Yeah, it matters not, Sam. All I'm saying is, <laughs> I'd really like a good science book, but I'd also like one that's fairly recent. I read a lot of science mm. books, and they're very good, and you know, they they kind of outline what's happened. But I just, mm. you know, it's like, meh. Come on, guys, apply yeah, yourselves. No, for sure. So, as always, <laughs> when struck by questions about what science book should I read next, I turn to Brain Pickings and their fabulous annual best science books of the year lists. Um, Doesn't so she only I blog w- about things that happened 50 years ago? <laughs> mostly, mostly. But, but <laughs> once a year, she releases a list of, you know, in various categories. So, sort of best science book, best ah, art book, best design nice. book of the year. And they're often very, very good recommendations. So, some of her recommendations from 2012 are Internal Time, a book about chronotypes and kind of mm-hmm. how we keep track of. Uh, Time internally, internal clock stuff, which looks pretty interesting. Uh, the Where, the Why, and the How, which is a book. Ooh, this one is amazing. I actually downloaded it on the iPad. They pair up one scientist and one artist um, yeah. for each section, and the scientist has to write a short treaties about you know some question like why do we dream what hmm. how long do trees live whatever like ridiculous questions, and then the artist illustrates. Uh, the scientist's description. So nice. that's quite cool. Yeah. Uh, what else? Brain? Ignorance. How it drives science. Oh, there's a whole bunch. Go check it out. Brain pickings. It's okay. Viciousness. I uh, I do I do like brain pickings. Hmm. As facetiously as I discuss them uh, on conversations <laughs> on the internet. Or her. It's just one person, right? It's like some lady's it is. blog. Some lovely yeah. lady. Yeah, she's uh, she's amazing. So she's uh, she's uh, from Eastern Europe somewhere. Um, and she's, mm. you know, she always talks about herself as having, uh, you know, always lived a life entirely in her mind and never having done anything. Um, well, that's and, unusual. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's 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 amazing. I really love it. Mm. Cool. Gosh. Well, it sounds like we're talking about things that we liked this week uh, anyway. Mm. So mm. maybe we should carry on talking about things that we liked this week. Although I can't actually think of anything. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you your... Oh, wait, I've got one. I've got mm. another one. So have you ever seen Isabella Rossellini's Green Pornos? <laughs> green Pornos? No, I have not. <laughs> they are so funny. They're the series. They're as strange as Bjork discussing how television works. Uh, uh-huh. So... She made this series of short videos that each about two and a half minutes long, where mm-hmm. she describes a different uh, species animal uh, animal sex basically. So she does one on like the bowfly and one on the duck, and we all know ducks are terrible gang rapists with corkscrew penises and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so each video sort of talks about the sex life of a different animal, um, <laughs> but she dresses up like the animal and enacts them having. It's so. So funny. It's so funny. Where do you find this stuff? This one I found from my very kooky and wonderful executive creative director, Fran. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. But it's great. So it's Green Porno, Isabella Rossellini. Uh, The funniest one, I think, (laughs) is The Fly. The Fly is really funny. Um, But yeah, watch them all. Oh, man. All right. What did you find this week that you liked? Uh, You know, I've had a really, really 
terrible week from a productivity perspective because I've been playing Grand Theft Auto Five, but that doesn't sound uh. like it's even <laughs> worth mentioning, you know. But <laughs> God damn it, Sam! Sometimes you just need a week with lots of shooting virtual people in the face, you know. Like sometimes I, that's I just what ju- I need. I don't judge. I don't judge you. That seems like a, a entirely valid way to spend a week. You know, it's and been a long could program, year. <laughs> you could program bots to go and play the game for you for four years and discover the ideal strategy to like be a criminal mastermind. Oh, <laughs> wait. Thank God we spoke about gaming because I've also been playing uh, Summoner Wars. You played Summoner Wars? No. What is Summoner Wars? Dude, whip out that iPad immediately, Sam. Summoner Wars. Please. It's, it's So it's a, it's, it's a board game. Um, it which looks I like had Magic never heard the Gathering. Hmm. It, so what it does is it's a it's a card game, but it's also a, 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 a turn-based strategy game, and it's hmm. really fun. And the nice That's thing cool. is, you know, I have Magic. I love playing Magic 2014 on my iPad. The problem is I can never find anybody to play with because you have to play in real time, so you can cast instants and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But with uh, Summoner Wars, you can play turn-based like chess. Um, so you oh, can have an ongoing game with somebody uh, on their iPad. And it's it's really fun. I've been playing with my friend Rich Mulholland who uh, showed me the game. And uh, and his son, Callum, who just basically downloaded it randomly. Thank you, Callum. Um, <laughs> it's really good. So please download it, it and like be friends fun. with me, Sam. And let's, um, okay. Deal. let's Deal. Uh, strategically outgun each other. I've been board gaming a lot the last couple of weeks. I think as the years Dude. started winding down, it's been amazing. I played this this game on Sunday called Fortune and Glory, which mm-hmm. took up the entire dining room table to set up because there are so many pieces. Um, it's one of those like highly complicated board games with 15,000 different variations. It was really fun. Um, you get to play like, I don't know, adventurers. Uh, it's sort of very Indiana Jonesy. You're fighting Nazis. It's great. Yeah, awesome. it's cool. Dude, yeah. I love board games, and I've been getting back into it in a big way. Um, so, uh, most recently, I've been playing King of Tokyo. I don't know if you if you played that. No, tell it's me. It's Richard it. Garfield's new game. Richard Garfield, he of Magic: The Gathering fame, um, mm-hmm. and he's done a lot of other really great board games. Uh, Robot is it Robot Wars? Robot something. Anyway, um, this is his most recent one. I think it came out last year. It's called King of Tokyo. You're basically each player is a monster. Um, who's trying to destroy Tokyo and the other monsters. And ah! um, <laughs> and it's, it's dice-based, so it's a little bit like Yahtzee meets, um, meets magic because there's cards <laughs> that give your monsters powers. There's expansion packs. It's awesome, uh, Sam. It um, sounds balls. Unfortunately, that one hasn't been iPadified, but uh, next time you're in uh, Cape Town, we need to play Dude, yeah, this is, this is what I'm seeing. What I'm seeing is December holidays, you and me, epic board game weekends. Yay. Fuck yes. Yay. When's that happening? Uh, I'm coming down on just after Christmas. Woohoo. Yeah. I know. And, the, and, and, and Bjork sang. <laughs> <laughs> She's getting an airplane. Ah, this year, this year must end already. I am feeling everyone I speak to is kind of seems to have that dead look in their eyes of mm. the year has been too long. I need to go sit on the beach with the other monkeys now. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mm. Well, come come hang out at our place and um, cool and play board games and um, pet children. Mister Dingle, you have yourself a deal. Nice. All right, Sandy. <laughs> I will speak to you next week. Yes, you will. Hopefully, yeah. Okay, cool. I hope cool. you have you... a good week between um, now and then. Yes, you too. I'll chat All soon. Right. All right, Okay, bye. bye. bye.